Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, I was really happy that uh, this week uh, the board decided to rehire me as the pastor of the church, and so I'm back. It's good to be here. Round two. Uh, missed you guys. Missed you a lot. Of course, you saw the goofy video I sent you last week, and um, I got to ride some horses out there in Raton, New Mexico, and round up some cattle and play cowboy. And um, but that wasn't the reason why we were going. That's just part of the reason. That was the byproduct. We were there to preach the word with our good friends Jim and Misty Ritchie, who uh, we got connected with a few years ago through uh, actually Bert, Pastor Bert Wimberly. And, and dad started going out there once a year, and then, they, then he heard that he had sons that preached, so then he invited us. And so they do a two-week revival out there every year, out there in the mountains under a tent. It's just fantastic. So uh, we've been, this was our third year, I think, we have gone and uh, been connected there with them and just seen some, some great things happen for the kingdom of God. And uh, so I appreciate um, you letting me do things like that because uh, sometimes there's a demand on, on our lives that takes us out of our comfort zone, out of where we, um, well, the Lord does that to me all the time. I don't know if he does that to you too, um, but it stretches us. And, and, uh, but I believe that we have a message. I really do. I believe we have a message that needs to go around the world. Yeah. I think that One Cause Church has a very unique way that we present the message the gospel of Christ. And, uh, and, I've, and I'm not saying that because I, I think I'm awesome. That's not even the issue, even though, well, no. Anyway, well, let's move on. No, just, just from hearing people. And I've listened to people over time, time and time again, say, oh, there's, I haven't seen a teaching quite like this. I haven't heard the word presented like this. And so that made me realize, okay, we have something unique here. And uh, God has put us here in a special place to bring the gospel to light for men and women to understand what the Word says yes. and to, to help people get a good grasp of what the Bible is about so that they can get it into their lives and chew that thing up and, uh, and live its experience. So, um, and then Sunday, praise God, we were in Granbury. Alex went with me and uh, documented that great service. We uh, set Lowell Erkenbrack and his wife Tina in as our pastors now. Of Granberry. Remember, he was the, the pastor of our DeLeon campus, and now he's pastoring Granberry. And Brandon and Sarah are coming home. Yay. Hallelujah. Praise. So, Praise. two years, and it depends on who you ask whether they were long or short. <laughs> I will say they were long for me. But uh, they're, they're happy to be back. I don't know where they, they already backslid. As soon as he got out of that pastor position, he just quit coming to church, I guess. But. Uh, anyway, the, but they'll be here with us Sunday and from now on. So I'm very excited to have Pastor Brandon and Sarah and their whole family back with us. And I just want to say um, thank you for your prayers. Um, you know, we had some struggles in Granbury. We had some struggles there. We, did I tell you about the elder that tried to take over the church initially? And uh, uh, I don't know, but we were about four months into Brandon's pastorate there. And all of a sudden, this guy tried to... Uh, Take the asset. I mean, freeze the assets of the church. Formed his own board. Went to the bank. Tried to get the money out and just take over. And uh, so, we we let him know that's not how it's going to go. And uh, so, 
so there were, there were challenges like that along the way, uh, not just like that, but also we discovered that this church was not used to being spirit-filled or, or a spirit-filled atmosphere. Uh, tongues and prophecy and all that was, was very new to many of them. So when we brought Roxanne Alexander in there, she blew their hair off. I mean, it was like, what is this? So then we realized, so we started looking through the paperwork and realized that this was a, uh, a denominational uh, affiliated church, uh, something to do with, you know, when you go underwater uh, and John the, okay, anyway, so, but in two years time, in two years time, the whole face of this church has changed. And because, you know, Brandon and I were talking about this and we'd talk about the struggles. Well, what do we do? Because this person's left and this person, you know, all this kind of stuff. I said, Brandon, you just preach the word, man. You just preach the word. The truth comes out over time. You just keep doing what you do. You're not at fault for anything. You just keep doing what you do. And keep building lives. Love the people that are there. Those that are there, those that are coming. Quit looking at the people that are not there. Look at the ones that are there. And yeah. took the to get there. And so he said, okay. So he just started teaching the word, teaching the word. And, and guess what? The, some that had left because of that elder started coming back, started coming back, started coming back. And we have good, good, healthy numbers there in Granbury again. And Brandon, over that time, has built a team of leaders. And when we set Lowell in Sunday, there was zero drama to it. Thank God. I like that. I like when the church just says, yeah, we'll do, we're, we're, we're mature enough to handle this. Amen. They, start, they were acting like y'all. Amen. So uh, it, it was just great. So I just wanted to give you a report on that. Marvelous things are ahead um, for, for us and for, for Lowell. Uh, God has just brought him into my life uh, to mentor him and to pastor him and then for him to help us with this church. And now he moved to Granbury. Um, from DeLeon because he just felt so compelled to be in that community. And that's one thing the church was excited about, to have their pastor there in the same city. So um, he's just going to take it to the next level. And when we were there uh, Sunday morning, I called some of, the, some of the leadership up there. And one of the older men's name is uh, Lloyd. He's about, how old is Lloyd? About Charlie's age? 80, 80 years young? 81? He's somewhere around your age. And... Uh, Lowell just began to, I mean, Lloyd began to prophesy there over the church and over the future of that church and Lowell's impact in the community. I mean, it was just powerful. And uh, so it was, it was wonderful to see the people grab a hold of this, this new vision, this new place, this new pastorate, new leadership, and get right behind it. So uh, we're in good hands there. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be with you tonight, and I love you guys very much. Is there anything else I need to say except happy birthday to my friend Tony? God bless you, Tony. How old are you today, Tony? 26. Happy birthday to you, bud. I see Tony almost every morning at our Texas Family Fitness Center. We sweat there. Let's go to Genesis. We should finish Genesis tonight. And let me say this too. I want to say thank you to Jeremiah for bringing the word. Wednesday and Sunday. Huh? Can you, can you let him know that you love him tonight? Amen. I appreciate you very much. Not every pastor can go out of town and just leave his pulpit for someone 
as solid and good as you. And uh, you bring great comfort and strength to my life, Jeremiah. And I'm thankful. Thankful to God for you. Genesis chap what chapter did I say? Good, you're a good class. I, I didn't say. Genesis chapter 41. Brian Triber sent me this today, so I thought I'd share this with you. After a morning worship service, a mother with a fidgety seven-year-old boy told her pastor how he finally got her son to sit still and be quiet. About halfway through the sermon, she leaned over and whispered, if you don't be quiet, the pastor's going to lose his place and we'll have to start the sermon all over again. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so tell your neighbor, if you don't be quiet, I'm just kidding. We talked about uh, the life of Joseph in this latter part of Genesis, and we slowed this part down because we want to, we want to give good attention to his life because so much is said of his life. He's, no, one, no one has more comparisons to Christ than Joseph himself. And he, he, his story makes up about 25% of the book of Genesis. So much to learn from his life. And, and one of the biggest things that we need to take away from, from studying his life is, number one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. We see that, but the, the Lord was with Joseph. Huh? The Lord has favored you. And it doesn't matter what struggle you face, you can always come up to the top, rise back to the top. No matter how far they knock you down, you can always. Joseph's theme song was, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're <laughs> never going to keep me down. All right. Did Joseph... Apparently, apparently he knew who he was. My family, in moments like that, in moments when the, the going gets tough, you got to remember who you are. Yes. Remember who you are. Remember who you are and who he is in your life. Because it gets foggy in those times. And that's when you have to open your mouth and say something that clears the air, that clears the mind. Okay? It is our confession that empowers us in this way. Faith, this is how our faith in God is released. And Joseph knew he was. He knew he was the, 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 the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac and the great-grandson of Abraham. And he knew he served the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew, that he, he knew favor from his own father, he also knew that his brothers hated him. And now he knows he's in prison. But he also saw the potential of what could be as a young man when he started having dreams. And God had already revealed to Joseph what was in store for him. Now, there's no way, I don't think, that Joseph could have known the time frame of that. He just had a dream. He didn't understand how all that was going to play out. He had a dream. And I believe that that's one of the things that Joseph held on to in those struggles, that promise, that dream from God. Well, let's, let's read Genesis chapter 41 um, and go to, uh, 
Well, it's been 11 years before we get into this the 41 verse 1. It's been 11 years since Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. It's been 11 years now. He's in prison. And he has, he has been through the tough times and the good times there in Egypt. You know, he's sold as a slave and he gets there and Potiphar sees that God's with him, sees that everything this guy does prospers, makes him, remember who Potiphar is? He's the, the captain of the guard, all right? So he takes him into his own house and makes him second in command, all right? Joseph's like, all right, this is a good gig. And then Potiphar's wife, she got her eyes full of Joseph and was trying to get him to commit uh, adultery with him and he would not. So eventually she accused him of attempting, attempted, attempted rape and then Potiphar got wind of it. Now Joseph is in prison. And then I wonder about what, what Joseph's thinking at, at this point. 11 years. I wonder what the dream, if it was still burning and if it was still vibrant in his life at this point. I wonder if that feeling that he had, that favor with his father was just becoming more and more a distant memory. And I'd like to believe that Joseph maybe felt those same things that we all feel and was tempted to, to feel more than he was to faith. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, to, and to maybe think about, well, did I, did I just make that stuff up? Did God really talk to me? Or was that just something that I conjured up? It's so long ago now, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in prison. So it doesn't look like this dream's going to work out. I, I just wonder if he struggled with those things. Surely he was human enough to do that. I'm quite sure. But I also have to believe that Joseph wouldn't stay in that funk. That he would not let that determine his destiny. That even though we all have those kinds of thoughts and struggles, you know, uh, Pastor Charles Neiman told me a long time ago, it's okay to think about quitting, just don't quit. <laughs> just don't quit. Find to think about it. Don't do it. And you find those, those moments when you got that temptation to quit and you, you're like, I, I, this isn't worth the struggle. This isn't worth the battle. This isn't worth the heartbreak. This is not worth it. I just want to go do something normal. I used to always pray that. Lord, can I just be a person that comes to church and then goes home? I see people do that, and they're smiling all the way through it. Can I just be that person where I don't have... Can, can I just... Can, no? No, you can't. Okay. So all this time... Now, now a fortuitous event. A fortuitous opportunity has arrived for Joseph. With him in prison, Pharaoh I mean, got ticked off with these guys. One was a butler and one was a baker. And he threw them in prison, and they're there with Joseph. Well, one day they come into work from their little sleeping cell, I guess. I don't know what all it looked like down in there. But they show up, and Joseph sees that their countenance has changed. And he sees that both men are sad. And he says, what's up with you guys? What are you upset about? And they said, we both, we each had a dream last night, and we don't know how to interpret it, and we don't know who can interpret our dreams. These dreams have troubled us. And Joseph said, 
Interpretation belongs to God. Tell me your dreams. And so the butler told him his dream and the, and the baker told him his dream. And so Joseph, because the Lord was with him, said, this is the interpretation to the dream. Butler, things are going to go well for you. In three days, Potiphar is going to bring you back to his side and you will, con- and you will be his cupbearer once again. You know what the cupbearer was? You know what the cupbearer did for the king? He tasted the wine before the king did just in case it was poison. Then he would die instead of the king. That was one of his responsibilities. He said, Baker, not going to go good for you, man. In three days, they're going to bring you out here. They're going to hang you by your neck. Thanks, Joseph. Can we get another interpreter in this prison, please? But what Joseph told the butler was, he said, hey, whenever you are free, whenever Pharaoh brings you back to his side, don't forget about me. Mention my name to him. Get me out of here. And you can read all this in chapter 40. So it was as Joseph said. Three days later, the baker was hanged and the butler was next to Pharaoh. But the butler forgot about Joseph. Now, let's pick up in verse 1 of 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now it's 13 years. He thought, I mean, he was right there. Come on, talk to me. He was right there. He thought this was it. You've been there, haven't you? This is it right here. This is where things change. And then you found out that it wasn't what I thought. Two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Oh, and behold, he stood by the river, and suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows, so Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. Verse 7, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads, so Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, man, how much time has gone by? Oh, two years. Ooh. Sorry, Joseph. I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, there was a young Hebrew man uh, with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. 
Hey, let me just throw a little nugget here for you. When an opportunity comes that you've been waiting for, change whatever you need to change to make a good showing for it. All right? Do whatever you have to. When the opportunity comes, and I'm saying the opportunity that is from God, if you need to change some things, change them. All right? Don't hold anything like that sacred to what, next to what God has for you. Verse 15, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now let me just help you understand just how revolutionary that that statement was and how grand that statement was to Pharaoh because the Egyptians believed Pharaoh to be a god. (laughs) So here he is saying, God, and I don't mean you, God will show what's up. All right, now, in this this amazing moment of the opportunity that Joseph is, is seizing right here in this moment, my family, he makes sure that he had God in his mouth very first thing. So that there would be no question about where he stood, who he stood for, huh, and who was with him. Then Joseph, let's jump down to verse 25. So Pharaoh tells him the dream, okay? Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty heads Blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. Verse 31, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God. What does the scripture say? By the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Every matter will be established. Awesome. And God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh... Sal- I love this. Now, watch what Joseph does. All right? So he's, he's at his opportunity. Now he has taken that opportunity by the throat. All right? Watch this. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and send, send him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. Joseph tells Pharaoh, I love this, he tells Pharaoh that he needs a man to handle the affairs of of what is to come. He lays out this man's job description and the plan to help Egypt survive that severe famine that's coming. Isn't that amazing? Now watch, watch what Pharaoh says. Uh, let's go to verse 37, I guess. No, uh, keep going down in, in 31. I'm 41, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Excuse me. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all of his servants. Look at this. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? A man in whom is the spirit of God? I have a feeling right here, Joseph went, <coughs> I'm him. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> Watch, verse. Uh, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. And I think what Pharaoh did initially was he looked at his, his, his own wise men and magicians and says, is there anyone? No. Joseph, you're the guy. There's no one as discerning. Watch. Let's keep reading this. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. So now Joseph, not just second in command to Potiphar was good, but this is the man. Right? This is the man. And listen to what the man says. Shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. That's the only thing that separates my power from your power, Joseph. I sit on the throne. Next. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Man, has this guy come a long way in life or what? Huh? From, this is extraordinary. Then, Joseph, then Pharaoh took a signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Not only did he bring him back, not only did he get restored, not only did he get, the restoration was greater than the loss. Hmm? And not only that, but he prospered him in that too. Gave him the best stuff. And so the story goes that Joseph did exactly what he told Pharaoh needed to happen. And in those seven good years, he stored up all that grain. And they were keeping numbers, but then the scripture said that the grain became so plentiful like the sand of the seashore that they couldn't count on anymore. So they had plenty of supply. So then the famine hit, and the famine hit, and it was severe in the land. And so then they opened up the, the, the barn doors, the reserve doors, and started selling the grain to the people of Egypt. Well, news spread because the famine was going over all the earth. The, the, the news gets all the way to Canaan where Jacob and Joseph's brothers are. And Jacob said, hey, there's, food, there's grain in Egypt. Quit standing around here pouting, boys. Go get it. So 10 of the 11 brothers that are left go. He, le- he keeps Benjamin behind. The, Benjamin is the youngest. Remember, Benjamin and Jacob are, are um, Benjamin and Joseph are Jacob's favorite sons because they are the sons of the woman he loved, which was Rachel, the one he worked 14 years for. All right, so he gets, so he keeps Benjamin. He, he said, I don't want anything happening to him like to happen to Joseph. So you 10 go. So they went, they show up here, and Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And I want to look at one last verse, Genesis 42, 9. Now, how much time has gone by at this point? It's been at least 20 years. I think it's safe to say probably halfway through this famine, somewhere around there, that that, the news would finally get to Canaan, all right, that there's food in Egypt. So let's say 20, 23 years, whatever has gone by since he was sold into slavery. Look at verse 9. 
Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed. See, what Joseph realizes at this point, as his brothers, brothers come, let's back up for a moment. Uh, 37, Genesis 37, Alex. I'm almost through. Everybody all right? Look, let's, look at, let's look at 37. This is good. Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And now here he is, just as good as the king of Egypt. And he looks out and he sees all of his brothers bowed to the ground. And then he remembered the dream. It was exactly as God showed him. It was exactly. He had a dream for many years. Now he's living it. That God gives you dreams so that you can live the dream. Amen. He gives you dreams so that you can live the dream. He didn't put these large things in your heart for them to always be out of your grasp. The only way that you're going to obtain that dream in your heart is to keep walking by faith and to keep, keep the dream alive, keep talking about it, keep talking that promise, keep it before your eyes, keep it in your heart, keep write it down, keep it, whatever you got to do, plaster it all over your house, I don't care. Just keep it in you all the time. Talk about it with your, with your spouse. Talk about it with your kids. Talk, keep this thing stirred up inside of you. All right? Because here's the thing you can trust, that God not only makes promises, but He keeps them. Amen. Amen. One of the biggest things that God showed me in, in this way, and God has shown Himself faithful to me, I'm, I have tons of stories, but one of the things that, where it was like a spotlight in my life, this truth right here, and I'll, I'll be short with this story, was that, and, and many of you know this story, um, when my start in ministry was in music ministry, and I did that for, for many years, and uh, along with leading worship, I was also had a band, and so on the weekends, our band was playing in the bars and stuff, and on Sundays, we were doing church music. And, and so at the time, I was just writing a bunch of rock songs, and then I started kind of getting stirred up and writing worship music. So uh, I started doing that, and, and then, uh, and then I, my, my emphasis shifted over onto that, and I loved it. I just fell in love with writing something, because here, this was the thing that I love. I loved writing songs and seeing people connect to God singing those songs, Seeing them experience him, you know, and thinking and, and helping them however I could to just get a little song, just get a little thought, a little chorus, a melody, something that would stick in their heads, but to make them think about God, you know, and, and, and bring glory to him. So that became a bigger high than playing to drunks. I'll just have to be honest with you. <laughs> that was a lot more appealing. Uh, so 
dad, I, I was working for my dad during this time, and, and, and then not only was he pastoring the, our, our church, but he was also pastoring other pastors. As you all know, that's what he does. That's how he flows. And so he formed this network of these relationships with these pastors. And so we'd hold these conferences, and these guys would come in and, and, and for training and teaching and just, you know, just fellowship. And then he would send me out to these churches to help their worship teams. I would go in and do a workshop with them. I'd work with the leaders, teach them leadership things, and I also teach, sit with the team and work out stuff with all the, the musicians and, and help, you know, help them improve. And, and, then, and then they started asking for the songs. They said, we want to sing the songs that you're singing so that we're all singing the same stuff. And I said, okay, great. So I started recording these songs just on, y'all remember cassette tapes? All right, <laughs> on cassette tape with just a little recording. And then I would send them out to everybody with some chord sheets, you know. And, and, and I, I was happy to do that. I mean, I was like, wow, oh, this is... I really felt like I was living the dream. I, I was enjoying that. I loved empowering people and seeing and training people and watching them come up and, and whatever gifting they had. And, and then we had a prophet come to our church and, and he's ministering to the people and I'm sitting up on stage playing the acoustic and he turns around and says, hey, you, God is going to, your song, your, your, your songs are going to go around the world. I was like, cool, from San Angelo? Okay, we'll see about that. That's going to have to be God. So I just, I just, my initial thought was cool, but I didn't worry about it. I didn't think, okay, what do I got to do in this? I just kept doing what I was doing. I said, trust God on that. Years go by, I mean years, and, and it was way back in the recesses of mine. I didn't think about it. Once in a while, I would remember it, but it wasn't something that plagued me or anything. And... Uh, I'd already moved out of music ministry and was here in McKinney, and I think I was our youth pastor at the time, or we had our West congregation at that point, maybe. I don't remember. Dad had me doing so much stuff, I, don't, I can't keep up. And, but I was doing a lot of preaching and teaching and things like that, so I, I wasn't even in music ministry, uh, so to speak. So my brother calls me and says, hey, I want to record a worship album. There's a guy in Arlington, Texas, that we could go record in a studio in his house for next to nothing, but we want to just do some songs that you've written, some that I've written, some that some of our friends have written. Let's just put an album together. I said, yeah, that sounds like fun. I hadn't done that in a while. So we went to this guy's house, and we had a great time, and we recorded these songs, and then we got to master these songs at, at Kenneth Copeland Studios, and uh, which, wow, that was amazing. We had to redo a guitar track there because it, it was messed up in the, in the recording. So I had to go sit in the studio there at KCM, and they had this microphone that was on this big boom stand hanging there. And I said this acoustic guitar, and the guy he's he's in the control room, so he you know he talks to me through that little intercom and says, "Hey, don't touch that mic." He said that mic was fourteen thousand dollars, so don't touch it. I was like, "Oh, ooh, I don't even want to be in the same room." If my wife was in here, she'd tell me, get out now, get out, get out now. You'll break it, you'll break it. So, but it was cool. And so I got to, got to, got to play, uh, and it was an old 50s microphone. I had these two, I don't know, some of you would appreciate that, but most of you don't. So anyway, uh, did that, and, it, and then the, the engineer is like getting into our music. His name is Rob Wirtz. He's He's an awesome guy, and so he's really getting into our music, and, and like, yeah, hey, you guys have written some good stuff. Thanks, man. So he, we get the thing done on our way. Heather and I are weeks later in McKinney downtown. We're eating some lunch, and that guy calls my phone. He says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm just eating lunch with my wife, and he says, uh, he goes, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. Why don't you sit down for a second? I said, 
okay. So uh, we were actually waiting to eat. We were waiting to get a table. So I just went and sat down on the bench. He said, he said hey, Eric, um, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland are wanting to do a worship album um, that correlates with their devotion. Anybody ever read their devotions, uh, Faith to Faith, that devotional? I love that. I've read that for many years. And um, he said that uh, they want your song titled Holy Are You God, they want to put it on that album. I was like, what? Are you serious? And he said, yeah, what we need you to do is come in here to the studio and we need you to sign these contracts and, um, uh, with us and, and that way you can get some royalties and stuff. I was like, wow, okay. So I, don't, I didn't know what all that meant. I just thought, wow, Kenneth Copeland wants to record one of my songs. I knew I'd influence that guy someday. And... <laughs> You know, got to return the favor. I mean, he's, he's blessed my life so much. So got out there to Fort Worth or Timbuktu, wherever they are. And, and, uh, and as I'm, I mean, this contract's like this thick, right? And so I'm just, you know, remember when anybody ever signed paperwork to buy a house? Is that the craziest moment of your life? Because you don't have time to read all of that. All you do is just, oh God, I hope... Everything is all right. I'm just signing, signing. I just want, just give me the keys, man. I'm just signing, 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 signing. I have no idea what we're signing. It was kind of like that, you know. I thought, well, they're Christians. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm signing, I'm signing these papers, and he's kind of explaining them to me. And I said, so when, when do I record? When do I get to record the song? He goes, <laughs> No, you're not going to be a part of the recording. We're going to use real musicians. I was like. <laughs> He said, no, we're bringing these professional students, these UNT students. I was like, oh, okay. well, okay. There you go. To this day, every quarter, I still get a royalty check in the mail. That's been pff, how many years? 2004, 2005, somewhere around there is when that happened. But that's a constant reminder to me because as I'm signing that contract, I was like, I just had, I was like, no, I got to stop and take this in for a moment. And I just, I just put the pen down and I sit back and I close my eyes. And I, I remember I was back in my living room with that acoustic guitar working on writing that song. I could see it writing that song. And then the next thing I remember was that prophet that turned to me and said, I'm going to go around the world. And I was like, God. You didn't forget. You didn't forget. I forgot, but you didn't forget. He won't forget. If he, whatever he says to you, he won't forget what he has said to you. He will bring it to pass, my family. Weeks, months, years, it doesn't matter. You can know that you know that you know that God watches over his word to perform it. I'm telling you, I've seen that happen in my life time and time and time again. And I know that you have too. Seeing that he is faithful no matter what you're experiencing at this moment, no matter what difficulties or challenges, hey, God is on your side. He has your best interest in mind. And whatever situation you're, you're in, he has the ability and the, and the willingness to take that and make it good. Come on, can we just give him praise tonight? Let's bless our God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, that you will not forget. 
you'll not forget. I don't know what, what you're in the middle of right now. Maybe some kind of physical difficulty. Maybe it's, it's a struggle in relationship. Maybe it's something that, some difficulty on your job or your finances. Hey, listen, just right now, let's just raise our hand. Let's just say this together. My God is faithful. My God loves me. He has not forgotten me. He will never leave me. And He will never forsake me. I believe God. I believe His promise. I believe in the dream that it shall come to pass. That His Word shall manifest in my life. I receive what God has said. And nothing else will satisfy me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Well, let's stand together tonight. The end of the story is that Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers and all their relationships are restored. And Pharaoh so loves Joseph that he invites all of Jacob, all of his family to come and live in a place uh, that's right there next to, uh, right there in Egypt, but what was that called? Goshen. Thank you. Goshen. To live in Goshen, uh, was that you, Mark? Thank you, our resident scholar, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Live in Goshen, and Goshen was the best of the land. So God's people, God's covenant people, right there in the middle of that Egyptian, that worldly system, they had the best of the best. And they prospered there. But Joseph said, before he died, I don't want to stay in Egypt. Don't leave my bones here. You get me to that promised land because I want to be where God says we're going to be. And you remember what, Egypt, what, what happened? That, that, that uh, Israel came into slavery, the Hebrews came into slavery, and there Joseph was put in a coffin. He's put in that coffin. God calls a guy named Moses. I mean, years and years have gone by. Finally, he raises up this deliverer. They go out, and Moses is like, oh, we got to get Joseph's coffin. Don't forget it. And they get Joseph's coffin. And for 40 years, they're hauling around this dead man's bones out there in the wilderness. Until finally, Joshua took him and buried him in Shechem, in the promised land. God is faithful. God is faithful. No matter how long, no matter how long, he's faithful. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness above all else. Above all else, God. Help us not to get caught up in seconds and minutes and hours. Not to be consumed with time, but consumed with your word. And to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Patience attitude is, it's all right, it's going to (laughs) happen. It's all right, it's going to happen. I'm going to rest in him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.